Before we start this episode of Real Rap, respect due to the new listener. Respect. Respect due to the veterans of Real Rap. Respect. And respect to the whack dudes, because see, y'all need to share this with them. With them. Expanding minds, because see, y'all already on like a higher level of existence. Of course. So look. You can get Real Rap, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Subscribe. For all you RSS people out there, boom. DanStatus.Podbean.com. Follow on Twitter. Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Facebook. Okay, I shouldn't have to say this stuff, but you know, I got to remind you people to do this. Of course. Now let's start the show. If you don't love the music and you like, and you like money more than you like the music. Your music is gonna sound like fast food music. But if you truly love the art of making music, then you really need to study it and make the music that is indicative of who you are as a person. The secrets of the rap game exposed. This is Real Rap. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we got Cyrus the Great from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm gonna keep it 100. I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like the Patriots. This little part right here has nothing to do with the show. Still a country in the building, but anyway, we're gonna talk to Cyrus about how he got started. This is part of his family lineage, this music. And we're gonna talk about network and a lot of other things. So I, I, I was raised in a musical household. Um, my mom was very much into music, and um, my older brother was a music producer at a very young age. So um, you know, my older brother is about 16 years older than me. So when I was like three, four, five years old, you know, I would witness him make music. You know, and he would always have his friends over, and you know, they would just just be jamming in his bedroom. You know what I'm saying? He had he had this whole studio set up. So I was, I was just like a sponge, you know? I, I took that in and um, I just paid attention to all the techniques he would do, you know? See him, oh, he had a keyboard sample. He had an Insonic EPS. It was one of the first keyboard samplers to really um, give you multi, multiple tracks to sequence with. It was like an eight track sequencer and it had this 12 bit dirty sampler on it. So I always paid attention to, to how he would, you know, layer his beats and stuff like that. And so, you know, his his original style wasn't hip hop. It was kind of like, um, it's very similar to uh, Full Force, you know, like the Full Force, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam, like that type of sound. That was the type of sound that he would do at first, but then you know a lot of rappers would want beats from him, so from him, so he would like kind of uh, he would just kind of um, tailor a sound for them, and his, his stuff his sound started sounding more hip hop as the years progressed, you know. So I'm like ninety three, ninety four, around that time was when he really he really became you know, submerged in the hip hop sound. Cause that's when like Black Moon and Nas and, and um, Mob Deep, that's when they all came out, Wu-Tang. So he was, he was influenced by that, mm-hmm. but he had his own sound to it. So I would just pay attention to how he would just 
make his beats. And I was, I just was, I told myself, once I get enough money, I'm getting all this equipment, the same equipment that he has, I'm getting it, I'm making the same, I'm making music the same way he's making. Cause that was like my first, that was my first, first, first hero. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really my brother, man. And then, you know, as far as rappers in the mainstream, you know, I mean, the first rapper that I really, really noticed um, as groundbreaking um, was LL Cool J. Um, like LL Cool J was the, that was it for me. You know what I'm saying? LL Cool J. Um, you know, and then, you know, just him on jumping off the table in the I'm Bad video. You know, that's like the first rap video that I ever saw in my life. And that right there just took my breath away. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, not, it was like, unlike anything I've seen, but even though I was only two years old when I saw that shit, that was like, that was unlike anything I've seen. You know what I'm saying? He had the red Kango hat. It was just ill, real cinematic. So that stuck with me, you know, images like that. And so that was, that was it, man. That's what hip hop, that's, that, that was how hip hop called me. You know what I'm saying? It was a combination between my brother, you know, making his music right in front of me and then me seeing the God LL, you know, now is your brother uh, still producing? Well, my brother still produces here and there, um, but um, as far as the music and the family goes, I've kind of like he basically he, he passed the torch to me um, in multiple ways. You know what I'm saying? You know, as as cats get older, and, and you know, there's a lot of um, circumstances that come into play you know and sometimes music ha- has to take the back burner you know so that was the case with him you know he had some things he had to handle um personally but um he still does music um but as far as you know just you know the output you know constant output um it, it's like it just it just became i became the one in the family that you know was the one that was gonna move forward with it and, and bring it to the next level, you know? Mm. Now, has your brother uh, produced uh, anybody that we know? Nah, he, you know what? He hasn't produced anyone that we know, but, you know, he's he's got some writing credits and some um, some production credits um, on some, some, uh, some independent, like, mid-major slash independent things. Mm-hmm. Like there was a record label. I'm not sure if you read anybody who reads the credits, um, like like me will know about these little record labels. Like back in the day, I mean now it's almost becoming like a new world order as far as record labels are. There's like probably two major labels. I think that's um, Universal um, and Sony. I think those are the only two major labels left. But back in the day, they had this like this mid major indie label called SBK I think it was I think it was SBK and that was the same record label that Ninja Turtles the Ninja Turtles soundtrack was on and I think that was Vanilla Ice's label too Cornball but um hey look I did like that Ninja Turtles soundtrack yeah it had some jokes on that <laughs> very first very first one the um the, the, the theme song it was pretty cool it had some you know when I was a kid I used to jam to that but, hold on hold on was it Pump Up the Jam on the uh Pump no no um, no no Oh, no. what was that one song? Spin that wheel. Spin that wheel. Yeah. That was, that was a joint. That was a joint on there. So, yeah. So, you know, anyways, that label, SBK Records, they had um, a Latin group called the Barrio Boys. I'm pretty sure nobody's heard of them. But there was a Latin group called the Barrio Boys. And when my brother had a group, he had a, there was a song that he, he did with them. And um, I guess their management for the, for the Latin group heard the song and they, they wanted them to, to do it 
over. So they, they did it over and he got his writing credit for it. Mm. Um, other than that, you know, there was always some near brushes with, with things. I mean, he was, he went out to LA and was doing some songwriting for Motown and, you know, he, he almost got a, 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 a record deal with, with Uncle Luke and them, but, you know, they was trying to give him a little plantation deal. He wasn't having that. So things like that happened, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing too major, you know what I'm saying? Nothing that, um, that broke through, so to speak, you know? Yeah, so... By him doing that, how did he uh, pass the torch on to you? Because, he, you know, if he's dealing with those cats, I know he passed some knowledge to you. Well, yeah, he, you know, he did. And, and my thing was, you know, I always was observant, you know. I would see things and analyze them. And then, you know, I didn't really want to ask too much questions because I know that things, some things were really sensitive as far as that, you know. It, it, for Amanda... You know, for a man to feel like he was always one step away from breaking through was kind of a touchy subject. So I never really wanted to, to kind of press the issue. But I, I always, I always felt that you know, pushing forward was 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 imminent. You know what I'm saying? You got to push forward. And you know, my thing is, you know, I just went out and just did it. You know what I'm saying? I never took no for an answer. Um, I, I just, you know. I, I just I had to get mine by any means as far as getting this music thing off. You know what I'm saying? Well, my brother, you know, he was out in L.A. doing songwriting around the same time as those those L.A. them damn L.A. riots. So, you know, he was like, "Yo, I'm getting the fuck out of here." So he came back. He came back home. He came back home, and he was like, he was he's cool on that for a while. He, when we lived in Boston. You know, he came back with us and, um, you know, wanted to lay low for a little bit. And he was still doing some fly shit out in Boston. But, you know, this L.A. wasn't for him at the time. He, he you know, he didn't know what to think. I mean, as an outsider, you know, I I can understand the, the, the vantage point of somebody seeing all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers getting pulled out their trucks and getting beat down. And, you know what I'm saying? All that, that whole Rodney King thing really opened up Pandora's box out there. So, but um, for me, you know, I've. I came up around the internet age, you know what I'm saying? When I was 18 years old, this is when like the first wave of internet rappers, so to speak, emerged. And and, and that's for a lack of a better term. I don't want to I don't want to sound like No, 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 no. You got it right, the internet rapper. Well, well, you know, I don't I mean, cats like little brother and um, you know, people under the stairs, like all these like people who broke through via the internet. That was when that was very prominent. And I was like, I was around the first wave of that. So I, I kind of got in on that. Um, I remember when Little Brother was just popping and I heard about them through a site called Hip Hop Site. And so I saw how they, they, they their buzz was just growing based off word of mouth. I mean, and they had, they also had endorsements by Questlove and um, they had cats like, who else was endorsed? Pete Rock. So, you know, everybody took that album serious, that, that, that debut album from Little Brother. They took it super serious. And when they heard it and saw, heard that the music was awesome, you know what I'm saying, that took it to a whole nother level. And they, they kind of ushered in that, that era of cats who broke through via the internet. And um, in two, tw 2004, I dropped a mixtape myself. Uh, it was called 50 MCs. It was a homage to the old Tony Touch mixtape series. And uh, I had 50 MCs on there and I had Tony Touch do the intro to the mixtape. Mm. 
and it was all my original beats and I had like I had Graph on there, Royce the Five Nine, Ali Vegas. I had Little Brother on there, Scram Jones, um, Gene Gray was on there. So I had a good, good, good chunk of cats on there on that. that and you had some powerful names on there, yo. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I missed the boat last year. I was gonna put out a, a 10th anniversary edition on on cassette, but I, I missed it because I was focused on putting out the work print cassette, and I, I didn't want to mm-hmm. spread myself too thin. But I'm, I'm gonna do something fly with that soon. I'm gonna re- put that back out again. I might put that back out as a free download because some people don't even know where to get it. So I'm, I'm gonna provide that. I still got it. Um, so I'm gonna figure it out, but yeah. So in t- 2004, I put that that tape out, um, and you know, I had a, a group I was working with. It was actually it was my boy um, Louis Gons. Well, back then he went by the name of Spit Supreme. We had a group together called Personal File, and um, it was like a, a MC and producer slash DJ duo, kind of like the Pete Rock Seals move, a gangstar type thing. And we put out two projects. You know, like 2003 and 2006, respectively. So I always made it a point to put out a project every year. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the group disbanded. And then um, 2007, I, I reached back to my nephew, who was my brother's son, um, my, my nephew, Joyner. Um, and I, I formed a group with him and my boy, Nasheen, in college. And then we formed the Film School Rejects. And that's when we put out that mixtape, the work print in 2007, December 7th, 2007, the day before my birthday, the day before my 21st birthday. I never forget it. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a, it was awesome. Um, oh, that was like the best feeling because we had everything lined up. You know what I'm saying? We had everything lined up. Um, and in the following year, 2008, December 5th, 2008, we put out the album Midnight Movie. Um, and we had the, we dropped the first single with Sky Zoo. And all that good stuff. So, I mean, though, that was when I, you know, that I was just relentless. I was t- turning off stuff every year, every year, every year, you know. And um, 2009, I did two joints on the Sky Zoo album. Um, 2010, you know, we dropped like two more FSR projects. 2011, we dropped the final FSR project. Um, last year, 2014, I did a joint on the Bauer Brothers album, the Sky Zoo and Torrey. Um, well, other production by DJ Premier, Black Milk, um, Ant Man Wonder. Um, you know, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of cats that I I produced alongside. So that was pretty fly. And I got more stuff coming. So, you know, as far as the whole passing the torch thing, I know that you know when I saw that certain things didn't go well for you know, you know, my brother. You know, it didn't. You know, it he didn't really. He didn't really go as far as he would like to have gone with the music. I put it in my head that I'm trying to go the extra, extra mile. So, you know. All right. So how did there's so many questions I could ask. All right. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. How did you get to that point where you're working with a Sky Zoo, Gene Gray, you know, putting all those cats on your on your mixtape? How did you get there without I mean? It, it, this is up to you if you want to tell the whole story or you know but how did you do that well you know well there's two different scenarios with, as far as the Gene Gray thing well what that what happened with that was um, my manager at the time when we was working on the 50 MC's mixtape cast he um, 
he had a cool relationship with some of the cats that were in the same group as Jean Grey, which is uh, Brooklyn Academy. And so um, he reached out to them to get them on my tape. And what they did was they had an unreleased song that they didn't do anything with. So they they flew me to acapellas and I, I did the I did an a remix to it. You know what I'm saying? And um, they ended up using that for their project as well. So, um, you know, it was just a lot of networking. And as far as the Sky Zoo thing, I mean, Sky Zoo was on the... I reached out to Sky Zoo to get on the first single for the for the Film School Rejects album, Soundcheck. I reached out to him. Um, and from there, you know, we just, we just connected. Um, and I played him some beats during the video shoot. And the rest is history. You know, um, you know, my thing is always about building relationships. Um, I love building relationships with people. And, you know, just networking. Networking is a huge thing. Yeah, how big is network? Because, uh, you know, nowadays, you know, even though with the Internet, you remember when it was called uh, social networking, now it's social media. You know, you, yep. like how, you like how they changed the words, right? Right. Like a lot of uh, artists do not know how to network. It's just pretty much what they do now is spam you to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the art of networking, how important is this art? Because, you know, it seems like it's lost. I mean, what does it entail to network with someone? Well, definitely, um, our respect is a huge factor, you know. Uh, you know, you, and my thing is, traveling is important as well. I mean, before we even get to the respect part, before we even get to the accessibility aspect, um, you got to travel, man. I mean, people think that they could just sit behind a computer and tweet somebody, you know, hey, um, can you listen to my music? That really, that's kind of, that, that that doesn't work, man. It really doesn't work. I mean, people get uh, a thousand links a day. You know what I'm saying? They're good and just ignore it. They get DMs. Hey, thank you for, thank you for adding me. Check out my music. I mean, they get a million of that a day. So I think people got to really become human again, you know, I mean, because, you know, you say social networking or social media. I mean, I mean, social media has media. The media part of it has taken over the networking. I mean, where people are just. They're 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 taking out the human aspect of interacting with people. I mean, it's really important to travel to these different conventions, shake hands with people, make eye contact, you know, see somebody's body language, you know, and um, just introduce yourself and, and, you know, just let somebody know what you have to offer. You know what I'm saying? If you get, if you get an opportunity to, to play somebody your music, you know, if they like it, then you move forward. But I mean, it's really important to travel and, and meet people in, in the flesh, man. I can't stress that. I can't stress that enough, man. All um, um, nine, uh, eighty to ninety percent of the the contacts that I've made have been from people that I've met already, or you know somebody who knows somebody that I know, you know that that could put in a good word for me, and and that those relationships were started off networking. So I think that it, it really entails being you know personal. You know what I'm saying. You know, just meeting somebody in person and just networking. Man. We got to get back to being humans. This, this behind the computer stuff is really spreading itself thin. 
Yeah, so so basically what you're saying is uh, get off your ass, save up some cash, and go on the road. Well, go on the road or, you know, not you know I'm not t- telling people to make these crazy road trips. But, you know, I would say, you know, find where there's going to be a, some type of event, convention. You know what I'm saying? Go check it out. You know, rub elbows with somebody. You got to do the legwork, man. I mean... A lot of this generation has been spoiled because of social networking and social media. People don't want to go out there and, and meet people and, you know, feel the, you know, vibe out with people. I mean, they just want to type and tweet, you know. Um, you know, every once in a while it's cool to, you know, hit up somebody or ask them, you know, what's the best way to get in contact with you? I'm interested in doing business with you. Cause that's, you know, I've definitely done business that way, but that's not, that's not the end all be all. You know, you really gotta, you know, you really gotta get out there and, and mingle with people, man. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know, as you just said, like, you know, uh, sitting behind a screen is kind of easy. Uh, it's easier to, uh, you know, perp the fraud, you know, absolutely. Uh, and also, too, I mean, just hitting you up every five seconds. Yeah, check out my mixtape. Check out my song. Check out my single. Check this out. Check this out. Right. I'm here, over here. Like, oh, please. Right. <laughs> you know. And it, so, so what is it like going to a convention? Well, I about it was about six years ago. Um, I use an example. Six years ago, I went to this this um, one stop shop. It was like a conference, like a producer's conference that Sean Money XL, formerly of G-Unit, put together. Um, it was a cool conference. Um, a lot of producers there. And it was it was, it was, was for producers to network and get some information. There was a lot of panel discussions. Like the RZA was there. Um, High Tech, Pete Rock was there. Just Blaze was there. Um, DJ Premier was there. It was really, really, really dope. And, you know... There had been people there that I was corresponding with via social media, but when I went there, I met them in person, and that kind of like that kind of brings things full circle, man. I mean, meeting somebody in person is is like that seals the deal, man, because you get to vibe with them, see what kind of person they're. You know, there was a couple cats that I I would. This is when instant messenger was was cool. You know what I'm saying? And I would talk to a couple people via instant messenger. Um, about music and you know equipment and a couple of those cats I met in person and I, they they just their the vibe was off but you know there was also people that I I was corresponding with on MySpace I met them at the conference you know we you know the music thing it it it, it, it everything came full circle you know what I'm saying we we traded some drums or you know we we traded contact information or we traded techniques with software I mean these conferences it was priceless man I I met. Um, Gene Brown, who's like the he's like the record gang. He's the gangster of record collectors. Um, you know, he's like he's well known in the hip hop community or hip hop beat making community for his extensive record collection. I met him there, and me and him been 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 cool ever since. You know, things like that is priceless, man. That that does not happen. That really doesn't happen too much uh, on social media. I mean, you know, it happens every once in a while, but just meeting those people, you know, it, it was really cool, you know, and um, people went up there, played their beats. I didn't go up there and play my music. I, that's not really my thing, you know, because, you know, 
producers have they, they were getting critiqued you know and some of the cats critiquing them on the panel were, were whack anyway I'm not gonna say no names but yeah, say names this is nah. rap man we like controversy on this show okay if you're not controversial you gotta go bruh I mean you know they're, they're, I'm messing was, with you there was a couple I mean you know I'm, I mean there was there was cool judges on the panel um, Black Milk was dope Knotts was was, was there High Tech was there, RZA was there, Just Blaze, Ninth Wonder. They were all great judges. There was a couple other judges that were just corny. I mean, there was one person that had some grimy boom bat beats and and one of the like this guy, the the judge on the panel said he needs a he needs a mainstream he needs to make his sound more mainstream. I mean, you know, corny shit like that. That dude that dude is not even popping anymore. So, you know, I'm not gonna say his name, but the the, the clown the dude was wearing shades inside of a of a, of a bright building, so that kind of that kind of um, drives my point on how corny he was. But you know, it was just you know, there was there's, you know, there's always going to be some Hollywood people at these conventions. But then there was a lot of cool people. You know what I'm saying? Now I heard horror stories about um, uh, festivals and, and conferences like uh, South by Southwest, which I heard is now like a, a big a big snob fest. Yeah. Uh, and that, I haven't been to South by Southwest yet, but I guess I missed it when it was when it was pure and organic. I think all the sponsorships then took it over. So there's things like that that are commercialized that you know that might kind of leave a bad taste in somebody's mouth. So I mean, you know, but I mean, networking nonetheless is what is important, you know. And you'll definitely network by going to different events and meeting people, you know. So all right, so why don't okay now you went to this dip now why didn't you play your music? Well, for me, you know, a couple things. My thing is, it's more of a, it, it was a confident thing. I think, like, I was so confident in myself that I really didn't, I, I didn't feel that I needed to play my music to be validated by a crowd or by the judges up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like, yeah, I don't need to do I, I'm just chilling. I was more so there to soak in the game and the information I wasn't really there to, to showcase my music Some producers Were there to showcase Their music as well I was just there To soak in some knowledge And meet people You know what I'm saying um, But um, You know And then, and then it Also Cats They get into a habit When they're up there Playing their beats They want to They want to like You know Do the air Do the air guitars And <laughs> I do, know. The, do the drum The drum <laughs> hand gestures And just put on the show with the beat. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm really a laid back guy, so I wasn't finna go up there and, and compete with all that. I was I'm just I was just chilling. So you know that's 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 the reason. You know I was just soaking it in. You know that's all. I wasn't you know I I my you know my music was good and I had some music on my laptop, but I was just there to just to be a humble student. That's it. Yeah, because you know I've been to. Um... <clears throat> few conventions around here and um like i've never played my music because now this is just maybe this is just a me thing like when i do play my music for other producers and i'm known this like sometimes a producer doesn't listen to the music for what it is yes oh my god oh my and they try to critique it yo you should have had the bass right here Oh, you should have had it. Is that what you're going to say? That, because oh. I, I've noticed they'll listen to it as if they're making it. That, doesn't that piss you off? Yes. I hate that. You should have, 
I, I would have put the drum right there. Yo, dude, come on, man. Just, just listen to the music, man. That pisses me off. That's one of my pet peeves. Uh, dude, I know. Because, like, the one thing I've noticed about, like, producers... Uh, and particularly what type of producer they are, because I've noticed more hardware producers do this more so than software producers. Like, their critiques are very me-oriented. Right. You know, because I remember a time, like, before I even became a producer, right, I would uh, always, I knew producers, so I would go over their crib when I was rapping and just watch what they did. Mm-hmm. And I always noticed um, when they had their protege, like they would train their protege to be a mini them instead of being whoever the type of producer they are. Right. They they never right. cultivated truly the inner talent of whoever they're working with. Mm-hmm. And that translate when, you know, when I've gone to like these little conventions and, you know, you see the producers up on stage, you know, the air guitar, the drum, you know, yeah. the air drum, you know, yeah. you know, the maestro. I'm like, OK, cool. But I've seen a lot of dudes just get ripped up that had some good music. And I'm sitting yeah. there like looking at the judge. Like there was this one show, fam. I actually wanted to go up there and take take a bat. OK, <laughs> to all the all the judges. Okay, because this dude, um, man, I mean, this beat was just ahead of its time. It was, it was dope, and they just totally no. And the crowd was mad at the judges. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I mean, you know, that's a lot of stuff like that happens, man. Some people just don't. Some people, they have no clue, man. Some people just don't get it. You know, at the time, some things, like you said, some things may be ahead of its time. You know, yeah, yeah especially, yeah, especially, when, the, especially when, when the crowd gets angry. I mean, yeah, the crowd. I mean, hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I definitely think that uh, crowds are important. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You think crowds are important? There's 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 some there's some showcases where there's no judges and it's all crowd participation. Now, I think that can that can make things tainted because like a producer, they can bring. They can <laughs> I've bring, been to those. <laughs> yeah, they can bring their whole crew. You know what I'm saying? So I think you know in some cases judges are important, but judges got to know what the hell they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? They gotta know what the hell. You gotta have the right judges. I know, cause not not all judges judge the same. You know, it's kind of like you know, what I'm saying you playing ball and the ref calls that bad call. Yep. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, l- let's take this back a little bit now. Nope. Once you became, you know, you started uh, producing, right? Like, how did? you change as a producer over the years from like your equipment now well from then to now and the style that came from that the change in your growth well in 1992 when i was seven years old um my mom got me a small casio Rapmaster keyboard so she got me that and a microphone so I had that for about, I had that for about six years. I had that for six years. And so in 98, she got me this Gemini sample. I think this, it was the DS-1224. It was a 24 second sampler and it had like 
six or seven different banks. And so that's when I really started sampling and looping my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like that that spring, that uh, subsequent spring in like about April, May, no, like May 99, May 1999, I got a four track recorder and I started recording, like I started laying my beats down and on each track, I would lay down one thing. It was four tracks. So I only have four tracks to work with. So track one was a sample, track two was a drum loop. And then track three and four, you know, my nephew joined her, he would spit his rhymes. So that's how I produced. It was only, I only had two tracks to work with. So it was a sample and a drum loop, that's it. And then in 2000, that's when, in the year 2000, that's really when the game changed. Um, I had a PlayStation and there was this program called the MTV Music Generator. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that right there is when the game changed. I mean, cause that, that program, it was like, that was everything I needed to make beats at the time. I, I had, you could sample in there, you could chop up your samples you can add your drums. You can add your different sequences. I mean, I was in heaven, and I, I added. I could have bass lines. I mean, I didn't know what to do with myself. So from 2000 to 2002, I was killing it. And then 2002, my mom got me a, a computer. When I, got, when I got that computer, the first thing I loaded up was Fruity Loops. My boy had Fruity Loops. He was telling me about Fruity Loops because when I was on a music generator, he saw, you know, how fast I was working on that thing. But with the music generator, you can only sample so much stuff at a high bit rate. Mm-hmm. So I get I get longer sampling time sampling at a lower bit rate. So at 16 bit, which is 44.1 kilohertz, um... I only get like a few seconds, but at eight bit, at eleven kilohertz, I got I got a lot more. So my beats were really, 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 really dirty, really dirty, and I still have I still have all those memory cards. So one of these days I'm gonna put those beats all back out. But um, they were really, really dirty, and when I got up to FL Studio, I had unlimited sampling time. The sample time was contingent upon how much space I had on my computer. And it was all CD quality audio, and I could, I could dirty it down if I wanted to with the effects. So when I got to FL Studio, I was using that with Cool Edit Pro. Um, I was chopping up the samples in Cool Edit Pro, and then flying them into FL Studio, and then playing them like that. And that you know, this is 2002, um, and then, you know, I outgrew that, and then 2004. I got my MPC 1000 with the Korg Micro Korg. And that was just, that wasn't, that was some more evolution to the game. I mean, I just, you know, with that, you know, I was playing with the pads and getting more creative with the pads. Um, following, excuse me, following that, um, I was starting to mess around with more computer software and I, I messed around with reason. So from like 2007, um, up until now, reason has been like my, 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 
my uh, software choice. Even though I've went back and forth to the MPC, um, that's really been my um, software choice. I still use Reason. I just got the MPC Renaissance back in December, um, which I really, really, I really dig this thing. But I still run my drums and stuff through Reason. So, you know, my techniques, I've always, you know, accumulated techniques as I move forward with an equipment, you know, even like the old techniques that I use from back in my four track days, I still kind of use that now. Um, you know, and you know, my sound is, is constantly evolving, you know, back in like, back in like 99, I found myself trying to sound like RZA, you know, 2000, I found myself trying to sound like DJ Premier, you know, uh, 2000, Three, two thousand four. I found myself trying to sound like Knots and DJ Scratch. You know, now I've figured. You know, I mean, starting like two thousand six, two thousand six. I'd say I came into my own a hundred percent. I mean, I've always had an ear for a certain style of sample. Yeah, I've always, you know, I always liked progressive rock. But two thousand five, two thousand six was when. I really, really, really came to my own and formed my own style, you know, because I had studied so many different people. I figured how to make shots, check out what they were doing and kind of form it into my own repertoire. And, um, you know, that's kind of how it's been since then. So you was kind of a biter. I wouldn't say a biter. I'm well, joking. I would say, I'm joking. I would say, well, you know, my first, well, my first couple of beats... Um, inadvertently, you know, I was kind of biting Primo. Who but, wasn't? You know, exactly, exactly. I mean, Primo was wasn't and still is the god. You know, he's the god of of, of the boom bap sound. So, but um, you know, when I you know when I first started, I was definitely heavily influenced by DJ Premier. Like, you know, you, you couldn't tell me nothing about DJ Premier. Nobody, like, he could do no wrong. So, but you know, as time went on, you know, I. I formed into who I am, you know, so it's, that's always what you're supposed to do anyway, you know. Evolve, because it's interesting how you went from hardware, software, hardware, software. Now it's the composite of the two. Absolutely. You, know you, you form like Voltron. Absolutely. That's the beautiful thing with technology now. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And I like it that way. You know, I like it that way. It's it's um, it's really, 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 really convenient. And it's quick. I can get my ideas out. And, you know, I could, I could dump tracks. I can, you know, I can fly sound in from software, sample it onto a pad, pitch it up. Do, you know, I could just do a million different things. You know, I just, I love meshing the two together. And truth be told, Truth be told, um, I've been kind of playing around with the whole hardware software um, hybrid thing since like 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, my 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 um, my computer system is more stable. That I I have more room to to add more on top of that and layer on top of that and stuff like that. So. Yeah, because you know what, um, when I started, I, actually I really officially uh, put down the Madden sticks in 2007 because I was a Madden junkie. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and that's when I really uh, started producing because I had a Yamaha Motif Six. Okay. Which I was mitting that through Fruity Loops because like when I had the Motif, I got bored with it. Okay. Okay. Then I got jumped on Fruity Loops and I was mixing the two together. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, I like this alchemy right here, yo. I was making mess. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, then I got like real serious with it, you know. So like, because um, I know dudes to this day, yo, who do not touch a computer for music whatsoever. Okay. The only thing they touching it for, for real, for real, is just upload their music on the internet. That's it. They still hardware. They still analog. Yeah, and I respect that too. I mean, I think it's just—I think it's a comfortability thing. I think it's whatever you're comfortable with, and whatever works for you to get your ideas out the quickest. I think that's what it is, you know. So let me ask you this before uh, we wrap this up, real quick. Mm-hmm. What would you tell a young producer who decides today he wants to go download something off of a torrent mm-hmm. and become mm-hmm. a producer? Okay. What should he or she try to do to become themselves? I would say um, study study music overall and understand that this is something that you have to really take serious and not something that you should get into to make a a quick dollar. Because if you think that this is something you're going to get into to make a quick dollar, or if, if this is something you're getting into to make a quick dollar, rather, then your music is going to sound like everything that's on the radio. You know, if you don't love the music and you like, and you like money, more than you like the music. Your music is going to sound like fast food music. But if you truly love the art of making music, then you really need to study it and make the music that is indicative of who you are as a person. You know, your music has to be an extension of you. And that's real talk, you know. If your music is an extension of you and and how you feel and 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 you know all of all of those nuances with from within you, then you'll be fine. You'll be just fine, and it's going to be a, a lot of long nights, not any equipment. I mean, it's the funnest thing in the world. Don't get me wrong, but it, I mean, you might have to make some sacrifices. You might lose a significant other, but the musicians, this is the life that we live. You got to make sacrifices. True that, true that. So let me ask you this, fam. Where can cats find your work and you on the net? Well, they can catch me at www.boombapheroes.com. That's the site up. Um, we got the link to the, the film series. We have a film series for Boom Bap Heroes. It's a, it, it um, you know, Boom Bap Heroes transformed from just a film series to a, a music producer lifestyle brand. So that's what we got right now, boombapheroes.com, B-O-O-M-B-A-P-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. That's where you can catch me. And I got a, I got a, a really, 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 really huge project coming out soon. Um, to stay tuned on the website for that, um, a lot of information will come out via the website. And um, yeah, man, um, stay tuned. Oh, and 
if you're listening to this, um, April 18th, Saturday, April 18th, there's going to be a huge announcement. So um, stay tuned on BoomBadPeros.com. And if you want, you might want to put your calendar, set your date for April 18th, because that's when a huge announcement is going to be made. And what's that huge announcement? Well, you have to wait till April 18th. <laughs> oh, man, I ain't trying to wait. <laughs> well, well, when we, when, when, when we get... When we uh, when we when we turn off the, I'll let you know off the record. I'll let you know off the record. All right, man. Yo, first of all, I'd like to uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show. You've dropped a lot of knowledge, and of course, you will be back. You know, I'm just Absolutely. letting you know, no, because no, there's more questions I want to ask. Okay, well, you know, we definitely gonna get get back into it soon. Absolutely, anytime you need me, holler at me, man. Yo, 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 what up? This is your boy Cyrus the Great, and this is Real Rice. This is Real Rice. Everything said in this podcast like the series instead of Cyrus the Great Dan status. You can find Cyrus where he said you can go find him at. So go find him. The songwriter. It's by the film school rejects produced by Cyrus himself. Timson, hoodies. That's all I wear. What more can I say? I rock Tim's and hoodies. I'm hoodby. I keep it gully. Baggy jeans and a skelly. White tee keeping it murray. No disrespect to your skull wearing. Brothers, correct me. Yeah. Jeans tighter than Becky. What? Shirt tighter than Nikki. Uh. Chains gleaming from jeans. Yeah. Thought he was a she. Looking gay as can be. Yo. What you claiming to be? Huh? The copycat and is officially noticed. All of your shit should be folded. Burn to a crisp and be broken, homie. Uh. Whatever happened to good old fashioned is street clothing. Uh. I know the streets notice. We losing the street focus. Yeah. Know everywhere I look, I see some little sweet hostess. Wanna be coffee bean folders in the street posing. They tell me, homie, it's my style. This is me. Hold it. Your rice been Cause you joking and all I know is I rock Tim's and hoodies, I'm hoodby, I keep it gully Baggy jeans and a scully, white tee, keeping it murray yeah. Jeans tighter than Becky, shirt tighter than Nick uh-huh. Chains looking for jeans, boy he was a she yeah. Jeans tighter than Becky, shirt tighter than Nick Chains looking for jeans, boy he was a she Looking gay as can be, what you claiming to be? Uh-huh. Looking gay as can be, what you claiming to be? Like copycat and it's officially noticed All of your shit should be folded, burned to a crisp and be broken Yo. Back in the days of mackling stages with razor blades and bubble gooses Be on the stoops chilling and view killings With boots drilling them, goose stealing them Boots and self-esteem, they just scream by any means Ski mask packing the fifth was listening Older heads taught me they wore stories What you know about that, focus in What you notice, talking kids, grizzly as ever No penny loaf for aluminum, bad smoking zigs Through dope dealers and smugglers, found a piece of pie Either I pick up this mic and stay in the streets and die Decent times grinding is all we did when the heat would fry God forbid if these little niggas learn how to preach a rhyme Early 90s was grimy as real as can get Cause nowadays, niggas be on that thriller shit You wanna nod your head, get hyped like kids in the candy store Half of these niggas is more pussy than Mandy Moore Jeans tighter than Becky, shirt tighter than Nick Chains looking for jeans, boy he was a she Jeans tighter than Becky, shirt tighter than Nick Chains looking for jeans, boy he was a she Looking gay as can be, what you claiming to be? Looking gay as can be, what you claiming to be? Copycat and it's officially noticed all of your shit should be folded, burned to a crisp and be broken, homie. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Hello. Pseudo homo cats walk around with these tight ass jeans, man. I don't ever want to see a man's shape. You know what I'm saying? It, I just, it, it's not like I'm trying to look at him. I just can't help it. You know what I mean? These dudes got these tight jeans and shirts so tight I can see their heart beating. You know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous, man.
Be original, man. Stop trying to do it, man.